hustlers, road players, tournament champions. Hear the stories, get their advice, learn about their lives. Our host, Joey Ryan, brings you an inside look at the professional pool player. You're listening to the Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Joey Ryan, Pool Player Podcast. Today's episode is, I think, awesome. I was able to get Carl Boys on the podcast. Carl's been a fantastic player. He's won the World 8-Ball Championship. He's also, I think, a three-time Moscone Cup champion as a player. And then, of course, you know this past year, he was the vice captain of the European winning Moscone Cup team. Even with all that pool pedigree, though, One of the things that I think is most impressive about Carl is his ability to communicate. If you've ever had a chance to listen to him commentate a match or be a part of an interview, he's just got this natural, fun, uh, humorous way about him that uh, is really attractive to people who might not be into pool. And I think folks like him are really people who can help us push this game forward and out to those people that don't currently watch pool or aren't big spectators or fans of the game so today's episode we get into a lot of great stuff uh he even embarrasses me a couple times it's it's classic episode but i want to thank you guys for tuning in real quick you'll notice behind me that blue wall Uh, i just painted that wall when i did the interview with carl yesterday and so i was able to get some of my stuff hung back up on it today Uh, there's a couple canvases there from rick schmitz who lives out here in tucson but he also attends a lot of the events in Las Vegas. And so when you guys are out there, you know, get in touch with me, get in touch with Rick. I got his information on every podcast. He can get you a canvas like that or some other format picture of you playing in competition, which is great. Also, you'll notice the American flag that's made out of wood. It's handmade by my neighbor, Anthony Gonzalez. And so I'll put some notes in the description about how you can get one of those by reaching out to Anthony on Instagram. He makes them right there in his garage across the street, and they're just fabulous. And so he hooked me up with that one. So guys, without further ado, Carl Boyce. Hey, Carl, thanks so much for joining. I appreciate you uh, coming by the podcast. No problem, Joe. It's a pleasure as always. How are you doing? Oh man, I'm doing great. And I'm really excited to get to know you a little better. You know, I've wanted to get some Europeans on the podcast. I had Kelly Fisher, um, but I'm excited to learn more about you. Tell me, how did you get started playing pool? Um, I started when I was a a young boy. I was, well, young boy, I was 14, 15 in Manchester, started playing in the pubs. Um, At first, didn't really kind of get the bug for it. And it was probably a about a year, year and a half after, then I sort of got the bug for it, and you know I was going in the pubs and the and the clubs where I sh- I wasn't allowed because you had to be eighteen, and um, I think that's what made me uh, a little hooked at the time. <laughs> so did you start off playing like English eight ball or was it nine ball? Yeah, or? yeah, that's what I started. That's sort of obviously we've got snooker in England, and then you've got English eight ball. Even though there's no kind of big you know, profitable tour in, in England. It's it's one of the most well-played games. You know, more people who play Q Sports will probably play English 8-ball even than snooker because a bit like over in America, you have the bar table. Over here, our English 8-ball table is the same size. It's 7 before. So 
you know, you can sneak them in the pubs in, in the small rooms and stuff. So, yeah, that's that's what I started out playing the same as, as Darren Appleton. So other than the table size, is it played the same? Like, are the rules the same as eight ball in the United States, for example? Not really, but I'll tell you what is very similar. Like in America where you might have different rule sets, right? Yeah. It's the same in England. There's, there's, there's two or three different sets of rules and it kind of makes it a bit of a mockery, you know, and if you play one code, you know, they're the best code. And if, and if you play the other code, you say them rules are better and all that. Um, so that, that's probably a big downfall to be fair, but it's played on a rounded corner pocket and obviously not the sharp cut like American pool. So, you know, the pockets a lot tighter than uh, your bar tables. So tell me, was there a moment that you kind of realized, hey, I'm pretty good at this. You know, maybe this could be something for me to do for a profession. Do you know, I wouldn't say there was, I think, and I, I don't know if other players would also answer like this, but I think you just kind of go on a journey and then the next thing you've qualified for a particular tournament or you've, you know, you've gone to a tournament and you do well, you might beat one of the names that's in that particular tournament. And then all of, all of a sudden, 20 years has gone by and you're an old man, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what about when you kind of made that jump to professional pool? There had to be an event or some place where you upset a couple good players and you're like, okay, now I'm a professional pool player. No. Um, I, I, to be honest, I see it a lot. I've seen it, you know, I'm getting into the YouTube uh, market at the moment. I've just kind of, I've had a channel for about a month, month and a half, but with, with COVID restrictions and, and things like that, I've not been able to do what I want to do hundred percent on the channel yet, but I've released a few bits and bats. And I, I just think the, the issue you've got is you kind of just, like I said, you're just playing and you're playing. Joey, by the way, I'm getting a little bit distracted. I need you to I need to ask you to do something before we continue this conversation. Okay. I keep looking I keep looking at your pool cue <laughs> on the table, right? Okay. And the and the pool balls. All right. And is that the cue ball near the side pocket? It is, it is. Yeah. And and the one ball is in the pocket and that's the two ball. That's the two ball. Right. Can you make that in the corner? That shot? Yeah, can you make it? Carl, I play okay. You know, I right. can, I mean. Let, let's see it then. There's a bit of heat like, on this. You think so? You want me to shoot this right now? Yeah, in the corner. And I will be generous and say you don't have to get shape on the three. All right. Well, I just have to tell you because every pool player needs a bunch of good excuses. So before I even start, I just got to tell you that I, I'm playing with a new cue and I have a new tip. Okay. I, I know exactly how that feels. So <laughs> Okay, stand by. Stand by. Joey, the world is watching. <laughs> you know, Carl, one thing you can't see here, this is a dead scratch shot in the side. So I have to jack up to avoid a scratch here. So it makes it a little more difficult. Yeah, I can see that. It kind of looks that way. That's fair enough. Okay. Don't go too steep. All right. <laughs> I knew you'd miss that ball, right? <laughs> you got me. You told me. Listen, it's easy when nobody's watching, bro. 
Oh man, I feel like editing this section and doing this again. <laughs> Listen, you'd, oh. you'd make the two ball now. Don't worry about it. Look where it's gone. Man, <laughs> I dog. I play like 700 speed too, so I'm okay. You know, I can make that some Oh man. To be fair, yeah, I didn't fancy you sending it straight into that ball. I thought you was going to miss it on the short rail. Yeah, yeah, I probably, I probably. That should've. was bad, Joey. That was bad. That was bad. <laughs> Oh, that is class. All Listen, right, I forgot the question. <laughs> I know. You were just dying to see me dog that shot. You didn't even care about the question. But the question was, oh, I know you funny. said there wasn't a moment where you realized you could beat anybody. You were just kind of taking it, you know, match by match, tournament by tournament. But I guess when I talk to a lot of pro players like yourself, there was an event. There was a particular tournament when they hit the pro level where it was like, oh, okay, I'm a professional. You know, was that- uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a professional, in my opinion, you're, you're earning money from the, the game. Are you earning money from tournaments? Or if you're, if you're calling yourself a professional pool player, to me, that means you're playing in pool tournaments, winning money, and that's how you're living. You don't have a side job or anything. But in pool, you see it a lot. A lot of people are running around saying, oh, I'm a professional, professional this. And you're thinking, well, I've never even seen you at a tournament, mate. So I don't really, <laughs> I don't know what you think a professional is, but that, that's what I think a professional is. It's when, it's when you start paying the bills. So I think um, I've always sort of won money playing pool, whether it be small money in small tournaments or a little bit of gambling. I've never, I've never done the actual hustling side of things. Um, but I've played cash games and stuff. Um, yeah, maybe maybe the IPT, when that was set up, we all thought we was going to be millionaires, but when the, when the tour folded, I kind of got into the, the nine ball game and, and just traveled around and just, just kind of like sort of did well in, in you know, you know I, I didn't win the tournaments that Darren Appleton won, not by the volume he certainly won, but I placed high in all of them, you know, I was like semi-finals of the World Nine Ball. I lost in the final U.S. Open. So I've always picked up money, and I suppose that's kind of it, really. Yeah, so, you know, one thing, you're a fabulous player, and I loved watching you play, but I also really appreciate when you're behind the mic. Do you enjoy doing that? I mean, you you know, I, I look at some... I've been commentating matches myself lately, and, you know, I have two favorites. It's Jeremy Jones and you. And it's funny, you were both involved with the Moscone Cup. Uh, but I find you two to be very different. You know, I find you to have more color and you're more animated and humorous. And I find Jeremy to be just the facts, but he's very good with just the facts. Um, tell me about commentating. Is it something you really enjoy doing? Yeah, to be honest, um, I, I, I do enjoy doing it. And it kind of... It kind of fell a little bit lucky. I decided to quit playing the full circuit and flying around the world in kind of 2016. And one of my last events, I I was playing, and I can't remember if I was still in the event or I'd lost, but uh, Matchroom said, oh, do you want to get in the, uh, the commentary box? for one of the matches. I said, yeah, 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 no problem. And I was commentating with Phil Yates in on this particular match and Phil's like um, done sports commentary all his life. He does various different sports. He's done snooker for years. He does the, the golf, you know, in 
and he's a writer, so he's well respected in the in, in the industry. And I remember sitting there, and how it works is, so Phil will like start the um, the match off after the ad breaks and close it before the ad breaks and things like this. So I'm just sat there, and, and I was kind of I, I wasn't scared to talk, but I was thinking, let's not just start talking about the game and going on because in my mind. I thought, how many people are watching that actually understand this game? So it's interesting you, you you said, like, me and Jeremy are different. And that's because, in my mind, I'm purposely trying to be different because I'm trying to speak to the guy who's never watched pool as where Jeremy's explaining it to the guy that has played pool. That's a great point, Carl. And, in fact, it's one when I started commentating, my wife, she'll watch some of the streams that I commentate on. And I remember her telling me, you know, you did a great job, but I didn't understand hardly anything you said. <laughs> so, yeah, because, well, it's like when you just dug that two ball, you're going, oh, it's, it's going to scratch in the side. I'm going to have to do this. Now, if you start like going over that in, 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 in pool t- terminology, if you like, the average Joe is watching, they just don't have a clue. They just think you dogged it, which I suppose you did dog that ball and at the yeah. end of the day. But <laughs> you, so I'm just trying to like, um, and, and and that's what I want to do with my YouTube channel as well. I want to try and talk to the people who don't understand this game because to me, if I'm talking to people who play the game at a good level or a very high level, they already understand you know, the shots and things like that. So you've mentioned a YouTube channel twice, and I'm all about promoting you and your business or whatever you're into. So tell folks what the name of the channel is and what you plan to do with it. Yeah, the name of the channel is just Carl Boys. Um, I'm going to be doing, I won't be doing drills as such uh, and things like that, but I'll be doing small little tips and it won't just be me stood at a table explaining something. I'll try and make it a little bit funny in, in, in my certain kind of way. I'll try and have music. Yesterday, I released um, a shot that Jason Shaw did at the Moscone Cup. And then I tried to perform the shot to see how many attempts it took me. But try and make it into a small little video just where if you sat on the toilet and you're on your phone, you can just watch it and, and it's job done. Because... Again, who's going to click on a video when you're talking about, you know, straight pool and one pocket and nine ball when they, they don't really have a clue. So I'm just trying to engage with the uh, the non-fan. So that, that's the plan with the YouTube channel. And and once COVID's over, I've got a few more things that I, that I want to do. So just subscribe and stay tuned. Yeah, that's great. And I think you're exactly the type of personality to do that you can add humor you can get people interested from outside of pool because frankly that's what we need to do to grow this sport right because there's only a limited number of people who actually play the game and are interested in the game and they support the game for sure but we need to get people like my wife involved and excited you know you can walk into a pool room in the united states on a uh, league night there's 150 people in there and they couldn't pick out Justin Bergman from a lineup, right? And he's one of the top players in the United States. So do you have any other ideas for kind of growing the sport? Um, I wouldn't say I've got ideas, but I, I would certainly say I'm involved with the company that can certainly make that happen. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing 
the very first Matchroom US Open. Joshua Filler won it. Unfortunately, we couldn't have that event last year. They got the rights back to the World Nine Ball Championships. Unfortunately, that couldn't happen. And this year, I was kind of thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen this year? You know, I, we're good for a Moscone, you would think. I was thinking maybe they'll just squeeze in a World Pool Masters because it's only they can do that with 16 players, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't think they'd, like, do what they've just done last week and release all their events and then add another little event in. But, you know, that's matchroom sport. And me being from England, I know what, you know, matchroom sport's about because I watch a lot of sport. You know, I follow darts, boxing, snooker. You know, these guys do everything. And, you know, they're very successful and they got a lot of money behind them. And if anyone's going to make it work, it's them guys. And also, I think it's because they're promoters. They're not pool players or ex-pool players trying to run a tournament. There's, there's a big difference. When you've got an actual promotional company and people who can't even really play pool and probably don't understand the game, but what they do understand is how to get the average Joe watching. And that is what we need because if more of the average Joe watch, then we're going to get more tournaments and more money, even though we might not like, you know, someone might not really like playing nine ball. Somebody might prefer playing straight pool, but you'll play nine ball if you keep getting paid, right? Heck yeah. And, you know, I had Emily on the podcast and she was great. I didn't know her that well, but I know she runs top notch events And when I had her on the podcast, I was like, wow, this is the type of person that nothing's going to stop her. You know, she just she's going to make this work, even in a year like 2020, having the Moscone Cup, which I want to talk to you a little bit about the Moscone Cup from from 2020. Uh, And I guess the biggest question I have, I've been talking to Jeremy, talking to Joey, haven't had them on the podcast yet. Uh, Alex scares the hell out of me. So I don't know if I'll even have him on the podcast. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just when I asked him questions, he seemed very like direct about his answers. Uh, but you're the first one out of the captain, vice captains to be on the podcast. Yep. And I guess my biggest question is you're all very accomplished players. And so for me, it would be super hard watching your team perform knowing you're an accomplished player and that you could probably help your team. Did you have that feeling at all? Was that difficult? No, I mean, a few people have asked me similar questions and even, you know, I could be at the world pool masters commentating and people are like, Oh, do you not wish you was playing? I was like, the only thing I honestly miss about playing pool is playing in the matchroom events. And I said that when, I'd never even played in a matchroom event. That was always my goal because to me, and I know it's probably different for guys in America because, you know, they're playing in pool rooms all over the States and, you know, they're playing all these other games. But when I got into American pool, I was playing eight ball at the beginning and I'd grown up playing eight ball as a kid. But the only events I, I could see that was on TV was nine ball. It was the world nine ball championships you know, like when Ephraim won it and Earl won it and uh, Earl jumped on the table. It was live on TV. Used to be, I think it used to be on uh, Sky Sports live for 12 days. $100,000 to the winner. So I never seen like these tournaments in pool rooms where, I mean, there's a, there's a tournament going on right now in America. And I think Dennis has won the one pocket. And he's holding a check and I'm looking at the check thinking, what the, what's the point of that? And I know it's money and everything, but, but my, my point is 
everyone needs to play on the on on the same level playing field. And the beauty of matchroom pool events is you all get to play in that one table arena with the cameras on you and you all get to experience that same thing. And, you know, you, they, they pay well, everything. So to me, it's all about playing in the matchroom events. And when I quit, it's because I didn't want to play in all the rubbish events to get in the matchroom events. I feel like I'd done my time and it, it was just the right time for me to get out. However, if Emily's listening, can I just play in the matchroom events and I'll come back? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, you're not really, really done, are you? I've talked to hundreds or maybe even thousands of pool players over the years that are like, I quit, and they always come back. So you're not really done, are you? Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, when I I stopped playing, I played in the 2015 Moscone Cup, and I played really good that year in the Moscone Cup. You know, everything just seemed to happen. And I went to the Derby City Classic, in 2016, in January, and I played Oscar Dominguez in um, a cash game there, and I played that match because when I'm back, when I'm back home, I don't really play a lot. I'm on my own playing, and it, and I find it lonely and, and boring. So I thought, well, if I set up a big cash game there, and then try and learn the banks and maybe play the one pocket and all this, and then they have the big table, which I like playing that game. Um, did I play it that year? I can't remember. So anyway. I played Oscar, but I did it to try and like get me ready for the season. So I, I would get in stroke because playing Oscar over five sets, it's a, it's a great practice session. And then I just, after that event, I just knew I was done because I couldn't face going to European tours where it's like five grand to the winner play. You know, when you've played in a Moscone cup with 3000 people there and you feel like, hold on I mean I've played on TV everyone's messaging on Facebook you're doing all these interviews you feel like somebody you're getting paid well and then you got to go and play a European tour in Italy with 200 guys who all play great when there's no cameras on them I just thought this is I couldn't get up for it I lost to so many dead guys on that tour just because I was going into the match with such a bad mindset so you know when I got out of it I just felt like it was the right time but I, did, I got back into English eight ball a little bit. So I quit playing American pool, but I played a few English eight ball events. I've not played Q sports probably for a year now, really, other than hitting a few balls for the YouTube channel. Um, so it's, I quit playing, but it's not like I've said, oh, I'm done for life. I just, I just stopped playing the crap, basically. <laughs> With the uh, Moscone Cup this year, Europe really shined. They they pretty much dominated the event from start to finish. Is that kind of how you thought the event would go this year? I was I, I felt like that that's how it would go, and I felt like that's how it would go with the crowd. But obviously, because we couldn't have a crowd, I was literally like, I don't know what's going to happen. And and I knew America. The, you know, they had a strong team. They had um, Chris Robinson, who was a rookie. We had Fedor. And I know Fedor's world champion, but still playing in that event, it's still very, very different. So when it got announced that we wasn't allowed to crowd, I was literally like, I don't really, it's tough to see how this is going to go. And I think on day one, that's what happened. Everyone was a bit like edgy. No one knew. Because unless you was there, what you got to bear in mind is there's like the camera crew, the presenter, the commentators are locked away in a box. And where I sat behind the, our players, 
and the Americans are sat behind their players and it's in a big room and we was like, it, it, you know, like on a Tuesday night, if you're playing for your team and you've got five of your guys there and the other team's over there and it's a bit quiet. I mean, are you all going mental cheering? Because you feel like it's a bit over the top and that, even though it's a Moscone, that's how we felt it was. We can't start cheering now because it's dead quiet. <laughs> and, and, and on day one, it was like a complete car crash and we was... We was lucky in the end to get out 3-2, but I think it was probably a fair reflection overall. And we just said on day two, we're going to bring it, we're going to shout more. And if it comes across like we're arrogant or it's stupid, it wasn't the case. It was more the case of in that setting, we felt like it was the right thing to do to GR player up on the table. Can you give us a glimpse behind the scenes from the Moscone this year? Uh, maybe a conversation, something we didn't see that occurred with Team Europe back behind the curtain. Uh, anything like that? Um, not so much a conversation, but me and me and um, Alex, we kind of we all know like Filler what he did the year before, and he's been MVP. He's like he's a young man. He's he's like won. He's probably been like the best player in the last two years in the world of pool. So we was thinking this kid's just going to go out there and do it again. But I think zero crowd affected him a little bit. I think he's the type of guy who likes to show off with the crowd, not in an arrogant way. That's just, it brings the best out of him. And we could see Jason Shaw was, he was like a new Jason Shaw. And even though there was no crowd and that probably helped him, I think moving forward, when the crowds come back, I don't think he's going to go back to the old Jason Shaw. I think that's how he's going to play from now on. And we, we could see that. And in some ways, when the fans pick was Jason, we was our thinking, mm, yeah, that's that's not too bad. That's played in. Listen, any of our guys could play the fans pick and win. We know that. But just that little feeling, we thought, yeah, we'll take that. That's, that's, that's not a bad result for us. So, the, yeah, nothing got said, but just that little thing kind of like, yeah. What surprised you from the U.S. team this year at Moscone Cup? I think there was a little bit unlucky at the end of the day when uh, Bergman wasn't allowed to come because of COVID. A little bit surprised they picked Corey. Corey's a great player, but the last few, you know, the last so many Moscones he's played, he's not really played, you know, good enough. I was shocked that Tyler Steyer wasn't in the team. I don't understand that decision. I don't know if it's some kind of politics or or hate going on in the team. And that, yeah, that's pretty much it really. I thought, I thought Chris Robinson played really well. Um, he'll, he'll do well in the future. I've got a video coming out about Chris Robinson, actually. It's going to come out at the end, probably next Friday. It's a funny little video. I kind of like, you know, when he lost to catch it and it was four, four. Yeah. I've done, a, I've done a video about the last rack. But I've been pretty kind because I've played in that arena and I know things can happen. And I know he won't take any offence to it. And yeah, at the end of the day, he's he's good in that on that table. He's got a, a good little cue action for it. And yeah, I thought he I thought he was one of the best players for America, to be fair. Yeah, he's actually he might be coming by here tonight. He's actually in Phoenix, and we talked about playing a set here on my new table behind me, which is <laughs> listen, the, Joey. Yeah, you better I, warm up on that two ball, bro, before he gets there. <laughs> I know. I'll hit that. I'll 
I'll set that up 50 times and hit it and make sure I make it. But uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think he played great for the U S and I was really happy to see it because you know, it's similar to the Tyler Steyer pick from a few years ago where there was so much scrutiny, so many questions about it. Does he belong? And so I was really good to see him. I was really happy to see him step up and play well. And, you know, I talked to him about that match against Kachi and I had asked Jeremy about this and Jeremy kind of brushed it off, but I said, he took way too much time on the two ball. I don't know if you remember that rack, but he used it. Listen, Joey, yesterday I've done a 10 minute video for my YouTube channel all about that last rack. Okay. So, so on Friday, that's going to go out there. My, I know what you're saying on the two ball, right? He actually played a good shot on the one ball because sometimes you can land low on the two ball when you, so you eat that pretty good. And I think he was thinking, shall I roll the two in? But he ended up playing, but he was good on the three. For me, I don't want to spoil my video, but okay. I'll, I'll tell you a little teaser. It all went wrong from the three ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing he said when he overran, what was it? The seven to the eight? He said he thinks it was kind of a rookie mistake where he just didn't look where he wanted to be on the eight ball, you know, and I, I appreciated that honesty, you know, that, Hey, I'm running out. Everything's looking great, but I just got lazy and I didn't think about where I wanted the cue ball. And so he, he may have juiced it a little, but he also may have just executed the way he thought he needed to, but didn't take the time to think, where do I want that ball? Which was kind of cool, but yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, um, on the on, on the seven ball, he didn't have a natural angle, did he? It was like one of them funny little shots where you're kind of pumping it across and if you get too much spin, you know, that thing, that can, that can happen, especially on that table. You know, it's so fast. And, you know, I mean, you just dogged that. Not that I want to keep going on about the two ball. You just dogged the two ball. There's only me watching. Imagine all those guys watching poor Chris on the seven ball. I'm so mad I missed that shot. <laughs> I'm so mad. I Listen, for, for anybody that's watching this, oh, I was giving Joey so much stick before this because I said, I'm going to make you shoot that too. And he's got his hang. I don't miss them two balls. I I'm said, like, you'll miss it, pal. <laughs> I'm like, I'm never going to miss that ball. You're crazy. But uh, so going back to your days playing in Moscone Cup, you mentioned the thousands of fans that were there watching. How do you yep. think you would have played this year in that environment? Um. Yeah, probably not as good as with the crowd. I'm not saying I would have played horrific. I don't know, but I just, I suppose I've I've played in four Moscones and one of them was in my hometown. So you can imagine how, you know, chaotic, chaotic that was. So I've been used to like absolute, you know, arena blasting noise. And it's going to be interesting, you know, Touchwood in Vegas this year, we're allowed, you know, full crowd back. And let's just say Fedor and Chris Robinson both make the teams again. They've played in a Moscone, but they ain't played in one with a crowd. So in my eyes, they're still rookies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how are they going to react to thousands of people there? Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm kind of curious if you have any advice for maybe up and coming players. So obviously guys like Fedor and, and Chris Robinson, they've put in effort. They put in time to get better. And there's other people out there coming up that are, willing to put in that time. Do you have any advice for them to kind of progress their game to the next level level? Yeah, I think sort of now more than ever with, with the internet, there's so much things you can, you know, you can do on your own. You can go on, you know, Facebook, YouTube, find loads of stuff. 
I, but I would say there's no substitute for playing under the heat. You know, it's all right playing on your own, but when somebody's watching or I'm not saying go and gamble, but just play for summer, play for dinner. You know, if you're a 16, 17 year old playing with your buddy and you're pretty even, just play for dinner, play for a drink. Just keep, just keep putting yourself under pressure because there's no substitute for, for feeling the heat. Uh, enter as many tournaments as you can and, you know, look at, look at the guys, your favorite players and see what, what they do. So what do you do outside of playing pool? Even when you were playing a lot, did you have any hobbies or things that were, you know, unique? Um, I like playing golf, just the usual stuff. Uh, once upon a time, I used to like going to the gym. I need to start that back. I've got two kids, so that keeps me pretty busy. How old? Just uh, My daughter's nine and my son's five now. So that was the other reason why I decided to, you know, quit just flying around the world and, yeah, you know, you know, life goes pretty quick. So I just thought I've got to make a decision here. Do I, do I fly around playing in rubbish pool tournaments, or do I see the kids grow up? I think you made a good choice there. I have three under the age of ten, and I'm not quite the player you were, as you can tell by that two ball back there. <laughs> but you know, I like uh, today we have four soccer games, and so just being able to spend the time with them is great, and do pool as a hobby for myself. Uh, but I'm curious, being from England, do you have a soccer team, uh, football? You got you call it football football team over there? You were for? Yeah, I mean, I'm not so much into football as I once was. As a kid, I was a Manchester United fan. But when I got into pool properly and, and, I, and it got me hooked, I was too busy at pool tournaments at weekends and playing in tournaments and gambling and all that. So football kind of got pushed to one side. But I like watching the darts on TV. I watch, I'll, I'll, I'll watch England if they're playing in, in the World Cup or, or the Euros and things like that. Um, I... I don't mind the UFC. I'm not saying I'm a I'm an avid follower of UFC, but I, I kind of like the UFC. I watch the big boxing fights, and I watch a tiny bit of snooker. It kind of bores me a little bit. It has to be the right player playing. Do you watch snooker yourself, Joey? You know, I watch a little bit. Uh, I mainly watch a lot of the YouTube videos, the highlights with Ronnie, and you know, like. 147 in like five minutes. I mean, who yeah, does that? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. So I, I like catching that, but I, I've never really sat down and watched an entire snooker match. I have played a little bit when I was in college. We had a lot of kids in my college from India wow. and we had it, we had a pool room and we also had a snooker table and I got bored playing pool. And so I played some snooker with them. And so I, I found it to be an interesting game. Um, did you play a lot? I didn't, to be honest. So you, I played English eight ball and then I, I I sort of played now and again, but I never I never got the right cue for it. I used to play with my English eight ball cue, which was too small and too thin. Um, but you know I, I've played a little bit, and I've never tried to make it as a snooker player. I, if I could have my time again, and I was fourteen, fifteen, maybe I'd I'd just play snooker and and see if I could have made it. I don't know, but it's it's the type of game that. You 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 know you really really need to be dedicated and bang in the big hours because it's such a difficult game to play. I tell you one thing I did do. I think this is the move. I used yeah. to play in a tour. It was called the Planet Pool Tour on the East Coast when I lived out right. there. And a lot of the rooms had twelve foot snooker table. Well, a few of the rooms had twelve foot snooker tables. So I'd get there early and I'd get the pool balls. And I'd start banging balls in on the twelve foot snooker table. And then when you got to the nine foot table, I mean that thing looked like. 
bar tables. Yeah, 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 exactly. Sure. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a shrewd move. Yeah. So, Carl, you mentioned Matchroom before and what an amazing job they do. Yep. And you also mentioned the schedule they just released. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, are you pretty excited for this year? Yeah. You know, I said earlier on, I thought maybe they'll, they'll just squeeze the World Pool Masters in because it's 16 players. So, you know, that's more than achievable. But Matchroom do things different. They just announced the full schedules you know, all going ahead, full steam ahead. But not only did they do that, they had a complete brand new event in, which is great for pool players. It's great for pool fans. Because at the end of the day, we need more pool to watch. And in my opinion, the pool events that we want people to watch is the matchroom pool events because it's all done correctly. At least there's good money to be won. You know, there's nothing worse than you're a professional pool player and you've gone to a tournament and one of your friends says, oh, I see you won that tournament. How much did you win? And you go, oh, I won uh, $1,500. And it's like, oh, it's not great, is it? But when you're, winning, when you're winning good money, people, they listen. That's when things get, you know, serious. So, you know, they've announced Championship League Pool. Yeah, do you know anything week. about that, Carl? What is that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of modeled on the Championship League snooker. Um it's not played live on TV. It's played on social media, which is great for pool because we can get all viewers, people about to watch this all around the world. All the details are going to be neat, uh, released next week. And I know that it's just going to be constant match after match, short races, just loads of pool for everyone to watch. Great for the players, great for the fans. And Emily's even said they may do this more than once a year moving forward so if you're you know if you're Fedor Shane Jason Shaw this this is big news matchroom you know when I played we had the World Pool Masters the World Cup of Pool and the Moscone Cup obviously the Moscone Cup's a team event World Cup of Pool is a doubles event now there's the World Nine Ball the US Open the World Pool Masters the World Cup of Pool the Moza and Championship League so it looks like Emily and the team, they're really striving forward to, you know, make pool something. And, and in my opinion, and it's not a biased opinion, I would say this, even if I weren't commentating involved, these are the guys that, these are the only guys who can do something with, with, with our game, for sure. Back Going back to the Moscone Cup, at the post-match press conference, I remember I, had, I could ask anybody one question and yep. I, I picked you. So, and we had never met, <laughs> but, you know, I just, I really appreciate your opinion on things and the color that you bring to a broadcast. We talked about that. And yep. so I was kind of hoping to get you a little fired up and talk about where this year's European Moscone cup team would match up against maybe the best from the Philippines or Chinese Taipei. And you kind of dodged me a little bit. You didn't really give me a great answer. So what did I, I say? Well, you said, well, you know, you have the Asians, they're good, but you know, let's go back to match room. And then you went, you went forward with the match room spiel, you know, which is fine. And I get it. It was match rooms event and you didn't want to derail that, but I, I want to get the real answer from you now. How would they do against Carlo Beato and, you know, Dennis and, you know, a top team, maybe Alex, a top team from the, from the Philippines, let's say. Well, listen, you know, only people involved in pool will will obviously appreciate how good Asian 
players are. So, you know, any any team would struggle against any Asian team. But, of course, they can win. Um, it, it's a tough match. It's hard to say, you know, you can't sit here and say, oh, yeah, they, they, they'd win easy because, you know, they're not going to win easy. They can win, but they can also lose. Of course they can. Is Europe going to have qualifying this year for Moscone? Again, I'm not 100% certain. I don't know. I, I don't know what other events may possibly go ahead. I presume European Tour is not going to go ahead. Um, maybe Matchroom looking at their schedule of events that they've announced. Maybe they'll just pick some kind of ranking system off their events. I, I don't have the answer, but common sense would tell me they'll, they'll do something like that as long as all their events will go ahead. Yeah, because here in the States, you know, we kind of look at this year or at least 2020, there being an advantage for Europe, the fact that they got to handpick their team, which, you know, in a way, we always talk about the fact that Europe could field probably three or four teams that would be competitive uh, any given year. But uh, do you think that was a huge advantage last year getting to pick each player? Uh, I think in the end, probably it helped me and Alex. I mean, obviously, Fedor qualified. So we didn't get to pick him. Not we probably would have picked him, but he was still a rookie, and we know we know what um, happens in the Moscone Cup with rookies over the years. Sometimes they struggle. Um, definitely helped us the fact that we could, um, you know, have phone calls and decide who we wanted to. Because sometimes in Europe, the way the system works, and because the Euro tours and other events are ranked quite highly, you can sometimes get that player who you may not handpick, but they're obviously a great player. And I'd rather pick the four guys, put it that way, than, than let you go to the rankings and, and, and see who sneaks oh, in. But, like, at the same, but, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of nice watching somebody go out there who's never played in it and, and, yeah. struggle. and see what goes on. Yeah, struggle. <laughs> see what goes yeah. on. Well, when you were saying that, it made me think of uh, Kazakis, right? Because he had an amazing year. But when he got to Moscone, it's just a different animal, you know, and it, that kind of showed through. Yeah, and maybe like Alex would have benefited from his first Moscone being no crowd. I don't know. But I don't know. There's just summer where, you know, listen, he, he's qualified for the team twice, so we know what he can do. But qualifying for the Moscone behind closed doors in the events that they're playing to get in is a different animal than playing in front of two and a half, three thousand screaming drunks, that's for sure. <laughs> Who was your biggest rival from your playing career? Oh, from biggest rival? I don't think I had a big, big rival because I suppose there wasn't. You look, there wasn't someone like maybe you drew them in a tournament, struggled against them. Or well, I was. What well, I was just going to say that. Like no, I mean, what, what happened was is with, with pool, you're playing a lot of tournaments and, and because there's no like kind of proper ranking system, it's not like tennis where, you know, Roger Federer has played Nadal, Nadal has played Djokovic, Djokovic has played Federer. These three guys for the last God know many, you know, God know how many years they've played each other so many times. And they've got winning records and all, you know, in, in Grand Slam finals and all this. So they build up this, you know, this head-to-head. In pool, it's a little bit difficult because how many times do you do you really keep playing a certain player? One guy springs to mind, but I only played him three times. So 
is that a bogey player? But Pagalayan, he just always seemed to, when I played him, I mean, I played everybody, really. You know, I played early in the Mosler singles. I played Efren four times in singles events. I've, I've, I've played everybody. And Alex Pagalayan, I played him three times and he, he's beat me all three times in singles tournaments. And he's just played like everything's just, he's just played perfect. So possibly say Alex, but I mean, it's three matches, right? It's not really. Was there anybody that you did not like to play? Um, yeah, I don't really like playing guys who um, try and pull moves, you know, like, or tell me, tell me about a move. Yeah. Just, just people who I, don't, I tell you what I don't like. I don't like playing guys who, when, when you beat them and they lose, right. They like just storm. I'm not saying sit around and talk, but they're like storm off and they're making excuses and all this. And then you play them again and they beat you, but they want to stand and talk to you then. That really winds me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I We have this Facebook group here in Arizona, pool players. And I remember posting in there one time that one thing that really gets under my skin is before the match, people will shake yeah. your hand, right? And then yeah, yeah. you beat them and they come up and fist bump you. And I would say, you know, if you're going to shake my hand before the match, then shake, shake my after. hand when I beat you the same way yeah, I that's... shake your hand, you know, well, then COVID hit, you know, everybody was complaining, saying, I don't shake people's hands because they don't wash <laughs> their hands after using the bathroom. Then COVID hits. And now I look like an idiot because everybody wants to fist bump. <laughs> so, Well, that's kind of like what I'm saying, really. These guys want to speak before you play. And if you win, it's like they don't want to speak to the storm off. But then you could play him a month later and they beat you and they want to stand around and talk all of a sudden. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, you want to win. But it's just a game at the end of the day, right? So you're all, you've been pretty outspoken. Uh, can you share a name? Um, you know, Appleton was pretty bad like that. Who's that? Appleton was pretty bad like that. He'd like, you know, if you beat, if you beat Daz, he, he wouldn't want to know. He was like, he was like angry. You know, he, he was on that vibe. But when he won, he like, you know, you couldn't show him up. But you, so that's guys, what, you guys would meet up at the bar later, have a, have a drink or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 of course. But, you know, he, that's his style. That, that's what makes him so good. And obviously I've just got a different style, Anna. So there's no like issue with it. It's just, it's, it's just different, isn't it? Right. It's like when I play, pool i'm like sat in my chair looking around and i can't really sit still and you know things like this and some guys just sit there like looking at the table so i might be thinking what's he doing but it's just you know it's styles make fights right (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so you're saying that with the way you are and and i think i'm similar uh if we played i don't know what your fargo is these days i want to say it's high 700s but I'm around a 700 Fargo. If we played, it would be a huge upset for me to beat you. But I, let's say I beat you in a race of seven or a race of nine in the tournament. You'd talk to me after, shake my hand, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? It's just it's what it is, isn't it? As long as you're not acting like a jerk. No, I, I'm not a jerk. I just missed no, two balls. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's like, you know, it's, it's a game at the end of the day. It is what it is. I just, you know, I just think... Um, I mean, life's too short, isn't it? Just, just have a bit of fun, have a, have a wind up, and yeah, I don't. I listen. Everybody's different. This is what makes certain guys probably better winners than than I was on the pool table at the end of the day. So, respect to to everybody, really. Did you have any big confrontations uh, in a match with anyone? 
Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, a few actually. <laughs> I had. I remember playing. I was playing at the US Open right in 2015. I was playing. I won't say this was a big confrontation, to be fair, but I was playing Shannon Dalton in the the arena table. And I was down like 5-1, or something like that. And you know as well as me, these pool players, that's the other thing that are good with matchroom sport events because the referee racks the balls and you're not allowed to go down that table and start looking at the balls. And me being from Europe and only ever really playing that way, I don't like the fact that these guys are touching the balls and they're doing this and they're doing that. I don't, to me, that's cheating, but they will turn around and say, well, learn how to rack, but I don't want to learn how to rack. I want to play pool. I'm not interested in standing there racking the balls. So I was playing Shannon Dalton and he's like this all the time, racking the balls. And he's making the wing ball every time without fail. I can't make the wing ball, right? So I'm just sat there thinking, I've flown to America to play in a pool tournament, US Open, right? But I'm thinking, this is just another joke event, this. This is just a joke. Where's the logic in this? He knows what he's doing with the rack. And I, I just want to play pool. So you know, because you play, that he's going to have more chance against me because he keeps making the wing ball, and mm. I'm not. So anyway, he plays a shot. He makes the nine ball. The cue ball comes round, and it's his cue on the table. So I, I looked, and I went, Shannon, did the did the cue ball at your cue then? And he went, no, no, no. Because we were playing, that event is sanctioned by the WPA. So we're playing WPA rules, which I'm not saying the WPA are perfect, but I believe we should be playing under a certain set criteria rules. Mm-hmm. That's the only other way to move things forward. And we play all ball fouls. In snooker, you play all ball fouls, English eight ball. But in America, you guys knock a ball and you start going, oh, do you want to put it back here or leave it? <laughs> I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Like, that's the art of the game, like, you know. Yeah. So anyway, he said no. So I went, oh, okay, whatever, like. So I sat back down. Ken Schumann comes out. He says, oh, is there a problem? I said, oh, I thought the cue, his cue ball, it's his cue when he put his cue down. I said, can you have a look? He went, no, we don't have replay. I said, yeah, fine, no, no problem. Another guy comes out and says, we can have a look. So he has a look. He comes back out. Ken says, foul the cue ball at your cue. So I get like so much stick online. It's like people are threatening to kill me and all sorts, right? I come back and win the match. And that's the year I get to the final of the US Open. But at the end of the day, just don't put your cue on the table. What happens if the ball's going in the pocket? You're going to just put your cue on the table. Yeah. And oh, uh, yeah, I'll just put that there. So the cue, because he's going, oh, well, it weren't going to go in the pocket. Oh, that's not the point. The point is we're playing all ball fouls. You so fouled. He he pocketed the nine ball and he makes the nine. The cue ball the cue ball goes two rails and he just throws his cue on the table. Oh. The cue ball the cue ball it's his cue. But if the cue ball's going towards the pocket, that means you can just keep throwing your cue on the table. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't recall ever seeing that happen. But I have seen a lot of times, actually, I've seen it a few times. I saw this one time Josh Roberts was playing in just a little weekly tournament. I happened to be in South Carolina mm-hmm. and he took, you know, his jump cue, he 
break jump cue, he took the butt off and laid it on the table. And he was hill hill with a guy in this match. And he makes the jump shot. The cue ball comes around and he can't get the butt of the cue off the table in time. And it hits the butt, you know. And it always makes me wonder, like, why people do that? Why even put that on the table? But I've never seen it happen like it did with Shannon. So you caught a lot yeah, of heat. Yeah, yeah. You caught a lot of heat for that one? Oh, yeah, I got loads. But listen, at the end of the day, I'm European. He's American. I'm sure a lot of it was his buddies. But, you know, I, I'm trying to play in, like, professional pill tons. I, I'm not interested in playing, like, on a Tuesday night and where you might play different rules. You know, like some guys make the ball and just throw the cue ball up. Yeah, if you're gambling and that's what you do, I don't have an issue. Just play by whatever rules you're playing by. I was playing by the rules, that, and that's that. So I, did you spend time in the United States during the IPT? I want to say, didn't you spend like a year here, or were you kind of going back and forth? I was going back and forth. I, I wasn't, if you remember back then, um, they picked the, the people had to put a CV in a summer and you had guys saying there was 10 time world eight ball champion and all this just to get an invite. So I, I didn't know about it at this time. I found, I found out about the tour when they'd already selected so many players. So they had a tournament in Vegas and a tournament in Reno. So I went over to America to play in qualifiers to qualify for them tournaments Mm. Um, I qualified and then I, I managed to play in both tournaments. I, I used to, I like that game because eight balls kind of, you know, it's my background, but I sort of also know it's not good for TV. I think nine ball, if you're going to play a pool game out of all the pool games, I think nine ball is the best game for TV. I think that's probably the best chance pool has got because eight ball can look a bit clustered and, you know, people watching, they don't, you know, why are you going a certain way, taking a particular finish? And it's hard to understand as where, you know, if you watch golf, somebody watching golf might not realize how hard golf is, but they know the golf ball's got to go in that hole, right? And that and that's it. Same with snooker. You go red color and that's it. You don't really have to know all the intricate rules to just sit and watch it. So I think, I think nine balls, the best game for TV, but I did love playing on the IPT. I thought, I thought the format was great and you played a lot of matches and you could sort of get into your game and get on that fluent run. And yeah, it was good times. That's really interesting that you think uh, nine ball is best for TV after saying not too long ago about how annoying it is when somebody's just making the corner ball every time. And, you know, a lot of people say Corey Duell ruined nine ball, you know, not maliciously but because he kind of figured out the whole racking system and was able to get the soft break working and i know there was a couple u.s opens there where he was just doing that every time and getting the same pattern and i had ozzy reynolds from csi on and he was talking about their youtube channel which has quite a following and he said it's not even close the number one watch match matches that they have are bar table eight ball you know, out of all the matches. And I happen to love eight ball. It's my favorite game because I just, I believe there's a lot more creativity involved into which balls you choose, how you go about running the rack and really the order in which you shoot the balls to maximize your chances of winning. So I'm a huge eight ball fan and I'm kind of surprised you said nine ball because a lot of people think nine balls dying. Well, I'll tell you why is because there's two reasons. One reason Matchroom sport are taking over nine ball, right? We've got the Moscone Cup, which is the best pool tournament period out there. 
Tell me what bar table eight ball tournament can stand up to the Moscone Cup. They just there's, I got there's nothing. nothing. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. And reason number two, nine balls a bit like comparing it to golf, snooker, darts, tennis. You play nine ball and that's it. With eight ball, you could play on a Monday night and play a certain set of rules. Yeah. And on a Wednesday night, you play another. You go to China and they're playing their version of pool. In England, we're playing our version. There's too much of it going on and it's all very confusing. So for me, nine ball's nine ball. We we don't go to, to different tournaments playing different rules. We just play nine ball. So that, that's that's why I think nine ball's the game for TV. And you're a former world eight ball champion, right? I grew up playing eight ball. That's my game. That's my background. I won the world eight ball championships, which was sanctioned by the WPA. It was, you know, it was the, it was the event where it's not been around for a few years, but if you remember when Wu Cha Ching won the world nine ball championships, he won the world eight ball in the same year. Ronnie Alcano, I think did that as well. Efren's won the world eight ball championships, but I just think it looks, I think it's hard to watch. I think it's not easy to watch. And I think it looks very misleading on TV. And do you know what I'd like to see? I think nine ball, the world's a different world now. You've got phones, tablets, you've got Netflix. You watch TV when you want to watch TV now. So there's a lot going on. I think nine ball is the type of game you can just sit and have on the TV and glance. You don't have to be glued to it, but you can be glued to it. But I mean, you know, your kids come running and you're like, yeah, whatever. And it's on the TV. You're glancing back up. It's fast paced. The rack's over. It's quick. It's quick. And what I would love to see happen, I would love match room to bring the women into the match room events because there ain't no sport in the world where the women are competing with the men. And I think that would give pool a little chance and a little, well, what's going on here? That woman beat, you know, remember the World Pool Masters, Han Yu nearly beat Shane in the first round. She should have beat him. He won 8-7. He come back strong. He played great. But I think what a story it would be. And you know how well these women play. These women can beat the top men. There's no doubt about it. So if you have like a mixed kind of circuit going on, there's no mixed circuit going. The lady tennis players play the ladies. The men play the men. The golf, the women have their own tour and the men's have their own tour. So I, I think that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I've had two women on the podcast. I've had Christina Takach and I've had yeah. Kelly Fisher. And I asked them both, did they think a woman could be the best player in the world? And neither one of them thought so. And when I talked to Kelly, she said specifically, first of all, she said that there's just far more men that play. So it's a numbers game. So you're going to have men that are better players, which I agree with. But yep. then she said that she thinks it has something to do with uh, the, the man's ability to focus on one thing, whereas women tend to be more multitaskers. And Mike Page from Fargo Rate took a clip from that podcast and created a video out of it. And he broke it down statistically, which that's his specialty. Right. In that analysis, he determines that there is no advantage that men have in pool looking at millions of games that have been played in his database. And so that that's an interesting point. And I would love to see that. I would love to see a woman win, you know, the world championship or or some event that 
that Matram's putting on. So I hope that happens. You think there's a chance that's, that could happen? We'll see more women in it? Yeah, I think it's already started to happen. If you look back at the World Pool Masters, Kelly played in it. Yasmin's played in it. Yasmin played in the World Cup of Pool one year with Albin, a brother. Um, Han Yu from China, she played Shane. I, I just think that'd give our game a little bit of a different dimension. And yeah, you know, if Kelly had to play Shane in race to 100, fair enough, she's going to struggle. But who's going to watch a race to 100 anyway? On TV, if you're playing races to five, six, seven, eights or nines, they've got a chance. There's no doubt about it. And I think, yeah, I just, I would like to see that. I think that would be an interesting um, spectacle. And, and yeah, I'd, I'd be keen to commentate on that as well. So you mentioned your YouTube channel. Do you have any other plans or things that you're doing business-wise or are you working with any companies in the pool industry? I just want to give you a chance to kind of shout out any endeavors that you have going on. Yeah, I'm involved with uh, Salato, uh, American guys, top top guys. I'm not sure if you've heard of their oh yeah yeah uh, yeah their app. They've they've brought out an app where they're gonna like bring pool players together, so you can download the app. You can meet fellow pool players. They're doing monthly competitions. It's a new business. They was hit by COVID. That kind of stalled them a little bit, but they're great guys. And if you haven't got the app download the app and stay tuned because lots of good things are going to come to the app. It's a great idea, great concept. Uh, also, I'm involved with uh, Clash Pool Tables, um, fantastic pool tables. So I'm going to start doing a lot more stuff with them. Never know. I might pull the queue back out and play certain events just for a bit of, you know, a bit of fun, not treat it as, you know, full-time professional again, but, you know, maybe, maybe, um, send Oscar another message, see if he wants another little bash in the ring or something, you know, just to get the juices flowing. Yeah, just... Uh, Let's do that. Let's get that yeah. hooked up. I had Oscar yeah. on the podcast and, you know, Oscar, he's just a great guy and he's always willing to play and he's playing Fedor. They're doing a little exhibition coming up and he's yeah, got... Yeah, I'm a, commentating on that match. Are you? Actually. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. a huge match coming up with Johnny Archer as well. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, actually. and our buddy Ben is actually going to be streaming that match, which I got this interview because Ben knew you and I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And how do you know Ben Sutherland? I, I, I went to work at the US Open in Vegas and Ozzy Reynolds asked me if I wanted to commentate on their events in Griff's right before it. So I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come, no problem. So I went and uh, Ben was one of the commentators. So I was like working alongside Ben in the booth. He keeps trying to get on board with Matchroom, but I'm like, mate, you got to walk before you can run. Just just, <laughs> just, just, just relax, you know? <laughs> no, but he, he's a good guy. I'm just busting his balls. I like Ben. He's, he's, he's a good guy. Well, I've been in the Facebook chat with you and Ben and just watching you guys go back and forth, man. It's just, it's complete comedy. It's awesome. <laughs> well, listen, it's about to get better because as soon as you release this, I'm going to clip that Miss Two Ball and just keep firing it in every day. <laughs> oh, why didn't I yeah. make that shot? I'm telling hey, you. Listen, listen. I'm setting I, that thing up like a hundred times when this is over. <laughs> Joey, I reeled you right in. You should have said, oh, I've no cue. And just like, oh, the tip fell off. I would have never known or something. You could have just said, oh, there's no tip on the cue. Hey, Carl, if I make that ball, then I get no action. You know, I got to I gotta mind my P's and Q's here. Okay, so. That's, that's a good show. That was, that was, oh. There was a plan. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I like to do is, kind of get referrals from folks that have been on the podcast. 
And this has been a great episode and exactly what I anticipated with your personality. Who else would be a good interview for me that maybe you could connect me with or or you just think might be entertaining for me to talk to? Mm, Good question. Has Jason been on yet? He's pretty funny. Jason Shaw? Yeah, has has he done one yet? No, no. I've had somebody reach out to him. We almost got it, but... I haven't heard back from him, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to have Jason on. Yeah, he's pretty funny. He's honest. He'll just, you know, you can ask him anything and he will answer and he don't really, not that he doesn't care, but, you know, he'll he'll just answer it and he kind of is what it is. I think he's a little bit busy with his pool room at the minute and with COVID, I think, you know, things are a bit crazy, but I'm sure uh, Jason will definitely come on and uh, have a chat with you. Yeah. Anyone else? Tricky, really, isn't it? Because the problem you've got, so, so the Europeans, the good guys, but it's like you said, Alex is a funny guy, but you're like, oh, I'm a bit scared of him. But I think that's just the Europeans in general. They come across like that because, you know, they don't speak, you know, their first language isn't English. And then when they talk in English, it's like, all right, mate, chill. But it's just, it's just the way it is. Alex is like, he's a funny guy. He's a good guy. Maybe get Alex on, see what he thinks to uh, the Mozza. Awesome. I'm going to try to do that. He did scare me though. I asked him a few questions at the Moscone press conferences and he was just sharp and direct with his answers. And I'm like, this guy hates me. (laughs) Nah, it's just, it's just, it's just the way he speaks English because obviously he's Dutch and no, he's all right. He's, He's a good guy. What's your prediction for the U.S. team for next year's Moscone? Who do you think they're going to pick? Well, to, for me, if, if you said to me, uh, because obviously I don't know what's going to go on with rankings or and all that well, type of stuff. but we don't, we don't really have ranking events here. I mean, we did at one time, but yeah, I mean, so, so be any. Yeah, if I, if I had to pick five guys to play. Yes. I would. See, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors because I, I was a little bit shocked they, they left Tyler out. Um, I mean... Yeah, Look, we never know what is happening, right? It, Tyler might not have wanted to play. I don't know. Listen, I had a you know, podcast the week before the selection was made. Everybody was shocked by the selection. I'm not sure. You know, maybe there was some chemistry issues. No, I think I think originally when they left him out the team, I didn't really think too much of it because I thought, well, they've they've brought Chris in and they've left Tyler out because to me the other four guys should always be there, right? And I know some people, I've heard a few people say, oh, well, I won't pick Shane because he's always slumped in his chair. But Shane's got to play. If she, if the other guys play well and show up, then Shane will also do that. You know, you can't leave Shane out of the Team USA. He's, the thing is with Shane is he always seems to play that big clutch match. He doesn't, I know it might sound weird, but, you can you can play like a singles match in the Moscone Cup where so for instance Shane played Jason, but I'm sure if you you know Shane would have kind of preferred to have played Fedor because Fedor's never played in a Moscone Cup. He played Kazakis, didn't he? I think he played him twice. He beat him twice. So he you know he he always used to play Darren Appleton in that big match. So he's always played the player who you know, can go out there and beat him, no problem. And there's been that level mutual respect. So for me, Shane's always going to be in the team. I like Billy in the team. Great for the team. Skyler, of course. Um, Justin yes. Bergman. 
of course, another guy who's got to play. Fair enough. Cole, for me, the original team, what they picked, fair enough. Yeah, Tyler were in the team. They swapped in with Chris. Not a problem. But when Justin didn't, uh, wasn't allowed to travel to England because of the COVID, I'd have still thought, well, I, I, what pick Tyler. He's played in the last two. They've won the last two. He's a great cueist. He's got that European style mentality where he's always practicing. You know, he's one of them. He's a big, he's a big practicer, always on the table. You know, he's probably running everywhere and you know doing all the right things, eating freaking cucumbers and aubergines and all that. So <laughs> I, I just I was a bit surprised. Like, they, did you say Corey. eating cucumbers? Is that what you said? Yeah, eating cucumbers and aubergines. <laughs> now, I, I'm just—I I was just a bit baffled. I, I would listen. Yeah, they didn't pick him originally, but when they lost Bergman, we all know that was a big blow. But they still could have picked Tyler, a guy who's played in two, a guy who's won two, a guy who's not scared to play in the arena. He knows what's coming. I don't think you pick Corey, a guy who's like—he's had good memories in it, but he's had a lot of bad memories in it, and that is not an easy place to play pool when you've got bad memories. So I, I think that was, um, I think that was a big, um, a, a poor mistake from their captains, to be honest. The rivalry, the, the weirdness between you and Joey Gray, was that, was that real? Or were you, <laughs> it kind of seemed like you guys were super competitive or, yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think obviously, listen, we don't really know each other. So there's no like major, major beef. Um, <laughs> it's a bit like a boxing match in it where two boxers or UFC fighters, they go head to head. I think Joey got a little bit overawed with it all. And I kind of just knew what buttons to press with him. He was like, <laughs> he was, he was a rookie as well. I felt like I was in my, I felt like I could have walked around that arena in my slippers. I was that comfortable. <laughs> you know, I've been since 2010, I've I've been a part of seven Moscones. I've played in four and I've been to the other three working. So I've been like, you know, I'm like part of the furniture. So I was just taking it all in my stride. And the very first day when the teams walked out, I could see he was sat in his chair and he's like, his eyes were popping out. Thought, I've got, <laughs> I've got you here, son. You're, you're out your depth for you. Uh, yeah. So listen, there's no beef. I had on the last night, um, yeah, me and Joey, we, we had a drink for about an hour and we were chatting and having a laugh. Yeah, there's there's no beef. It's all it's all fun and games. Carl, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. You took this on short notice and, and we made it work. I want to see if you have any final thoughts for the fans out there, people interested in the sport, or maybe people who aren't into pool but hope to be soon. So what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are everyone should get behind the game of pool it's played worldwide right everyone's played a game of pool match room are involved they're taking over if you're a promoter and you run other events be scared because they're taking over the takeover is happening this year <laughs> stay tuned watch all the pool follow me on youtube because shit's about to hit the fan <laughs> i love it <laughs> Let me stop the recording. Wait, before I stop the recording, I'm going to make Go. the two ball. I'm setting it up one more time. No, 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 no. I'll no. tell you what you can do. To redeem okay. yourself, I'll let you shoot the five ball or the four ball in the same corner. Pick which ball you want. Go. Why, why does the cue ball have to be on the rail every time? Why? It's not on the rail. Take the five ball then. Three. It's off the rail. Yeah, but I, I no, I, 
okay. You've got to redeem yourself, Joey. Come Carl, on. Carl, Go I'll shoot I'm going to shoot the four. But looking at the four and the five, both going into that same corner pocket, which shot do you prefer? Do you know, I think there's a case for both of them. But I'm presuming you've not played much pool today. So you're going on cold. I'll give yes. you the benefit of the doubt. I've, I've hit one ball and not if well. It, if it was me, <laughs> I'd be playing the five ball just because I'm close to it. However, it is in a bit of a blind pocket. It's a blind pocket type shot. But just because I feel like I can get my hand better settled, I would take the five. So if this were eight ball, let's say, and I had solids, there is no way in the world I would ever shoot that five ball with the four ball there. I mean, maybe there's a circumstance where it would make sense. But I'm trying to tell you that that four ball to me is a lot more appealing. You know, and it's funny. I had shoot CJ- it then, Joey. Let's okay, see I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to shoot it. But I had CJ okay. Wiley on. And one of the things he said, which I thought was really cool, is when he knew he was a great player was yeah. when he stopped looking at balls and saying, that's a hard shot or that's an easy shot. They were just all shots. But I look at the five ball, and to me, that's a hard shot. And I look at the four ball, and that's a lot more palatable. So, well, the thing is, I don't play, so I'm just purely thinking because I'm close to the five ball. But I know the four's near the pocket, but I don't like the distance you've got there. I'm gonna cinch it. I'm gonna. You're gonna. Speed. You're, you're going for the four ball. Yeah, pocket speed. I don't fancy for it. <laughs> Listen, you can bet what you want. You ain't making that four ball. Hold on. Here we go. I got to move my mic because it's all right. It's It's all right. My setup, I pulled it closer to the table. There we go. I'm so nervous. That looks a tough shot, bro. (laughs) Hey, look, look what I've done. Look at the camera. I'm going to make a shot, Carl. Look, look, I was videoing that. I knew you wouldn't make that ball. I did it. I did it. <laughs> Listen, Joey, that's experience. You should have shot the five ball because you're closer. Hold on. I'm going to shoot that. <laughs> you're desperate to make one on this podcast, aren't you? It was right there, wasn't it? A little bit more to the right. I'm going to be blocking you. This yeah, move the, Yeah, about there. You're not going to see it. No, I can see it. I'll hear it. Okay, hold on. you good. Listen, you ain't going to make it anyway. Oh, I can see it. You're good. Joey, listen, if you've not subscribed to my YouTube channel, I suggest you should subscribe straight away. Hey, Carl, let me tell you something, okay? <laughs> Look at my ear. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. There we go. Let me tell you something, and this is really important. I had these pockets cut to four and a quarter. So those balls would have went... <laughs> They, listen, they wouldn't have gone when Diamond <laughs> lift the freaking top of the table off, Paul. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Hey, I have a couple matches on my channel. You got to check it out. Once this airs, I'll send you the link. Check out the matches on my, my uh, channel because I, I actually can play a little pool. Maybe. Joey, have, have you subscribed <laughs> to my YouTube channel? I will do that today. I promise. You need to do it right away because having watched them three shots, my channel will help you. Okay. <laughs> Copy that. Thanks a lot, Carl. I appreciate it. No worries, bro. Stay safe and uh, speak to you soon. Okay, man.